Talks, a chat with Finance Malta, is the podcast series that gives you short, thoughtful and regular insights from leading experts of the financial services industry. I'm Vanessa McDonald. Welcome. Annabelle Mifsud, Managing Director of FECSERV. Thank you so much for being with us today. Annabelle, you are um, very well versed with the jurisdiction of Malta. Tell me how you see it with regards to the private equity and venture capital funds. Is Are we punching above our weight as a small jurisdiction? Um, thanks, Vanessa. Thanks for having me. Um, private equity is a growing uh, area when it comes to funds. And I believe Malta is, uh, can be an ideal jurisdiction for such funds, even when we compare it to the, to the bigger ones. Um, one has to keep in mind that, yes, currently the majority of such funds do go to larger jurisdictions. Uh, we can give an example with Luxembourg having more than 26% of its AIF um, funds investing in private equity. That excludes also the unregulated partnerships, which the majority of such structures would go for. So uh, I think there's a huge opportunity for Malta. We do have private equity funds in Malta. Um, uh, but given that we have the same EU structure, so Malta can offer the same uh, structures such as the AIF and the NAIF, which is equivalent to the RAIF in Luxembourg, there are other structures that Malta can offer for such strategies with their own advantages. Okay, um, can, you, can you name a few? I mean, perhaps mm-hmm. the first one will be the fact that we are an English-speaking, as you can tell from this podcast. Uh, Malta is one of the very few EU member states, in fact, apart from Ireland, where exactly. English is spoken. Is that, is that a widespread phenomenon? Exactly. So uh, Malta, as you rightly said, is, apart from Ireland, the only English-speaking jurisdiction. And given um, uh, the origination of such funds as well, um, uh, be it uh, countries such as the Czech Republic, but others as well, so Polish and Swiss, of course, it makes it easier having your investors, which would be typically family offices, high net worth individuals, um, being given a service in English. So yes, that helps a lot. All the service providers have also staff that have been trained um, either through their, their uh, partners in other jurisdictions or else with audit firms seconded abroad. So all of us, I mean myself, case in point, I spent some time in London um, with PricewaterhouseCoopers and there are many others. And um, linked to that, I would say that even our laws and regulations are all um, in English and Maltese, which again would help a prospective promoter, a prospective manager looking at a jurisdiction for his fund. So definitely being English speaking is one of our... Yes, of course, um, apart from being a national language, it is our, you know, our working language. You referred to staff. I read somewhere that mm-hmm. something like 25% of the labour force is actually foreign, uh, mm-hmm. EU and third country. How does that help? Is that uh, a sign of a a shortage in the labour supply or the fact that it's a great place to live in the sun? Um, (laughs) Both, but of course, let's let's focus on on the fact that, yes, um, many move to Malta, of course, for the benefits and the lifestyle of of living in Malta. Um, uh, Keep in mind, we're a small island. However, uh, of course, uh, as a result of the increase in servicing um, such funds, so the fund industry has been growing um, substantially has grown substantially in the last 15 years. When I joined the funds industry 15 years ago, there were two fund admin options. 
Now we're much more in terms of service providers and that created a lot of demand for resources. Um, again, some of us have uh, part, are part of a network, so the natural um, result was that uh, others working in the industry in other jurisdictions moved to Malta, also because working in the fund administration, for example, area in Malta uh, provides an opportunity to maybe learn more because the, the service providers tend to provide a more boutique kind of service, a closer, um, more hand-holding, more even the, the way we communicate to investors. Um, we are kind of prepared um, to assist as the investor would need us to assist in terms of it's not a retail one-size-fits-all type of service, which of course, when we're talking about private equity funds, you don't want um, you don't want your investor to be talking to someone junior. You want your investor to be guided by a more senior person, which we typically offer as service providers here in Malta. Indeed, we've built up quite a, an ecosystem yes. over the, the 15 years, as you say. Um, coming here and having to, you know, having such a, a diverse workforce and so on, um, very often brings with it, you know, a sort of costs because obviously mm -hmm. it's an expatriate jurisdiction then for a lot of the the people. Does that make Malta an expensive jurisdiction for people to base their funds? No, actually when it comes to comparison of cost, Malta tends to be a very cost-efficient um, jurisdiction compared to the larger ones such as Ireland and Luxembourg. So one of the advantages that um, a Malta structure offers is actually that, that um, when it comes to service provision, we tend to be more cost-effective than other jurisdictions. Um, this is indirectly also linked to the fact that um, uh, we also offer uh, structures such as the Professional Investor Fund, which is um, a regulated structure. So we have the benefits, so rather than going for an unregulated structure, you have the, let's call it the luxury, the option to go for still a regulated structure that will give you, um, let's say, more credit, more credibility, more trust with service providers and investors, but at a lower cost because it offers certain flexibility. For example, you do not require a depository, um, uh, which is again typically linked to the jurisdiction of the fund, but you, ca you are all only um, requested to have what we call proper safekeeping. So you need to find an arrangement that fits your fund. So that leaves your, your options quite open. It doesn't require certain risk management um, appointment. So again, the costs are quite limited as to what you require um, to, manage, to manage the fund. Um, indirectly linked to that as well, um, Malta is also um, working on new structures, namely the notified PIF, which would be something um, that would be ideal for such funds because um, you might not, even though you have the regulated option as we spoke, you, you might not want your investors, your family office, your um, principal that you're working for, might not require a regulated type of fund um, for such funds. They would still be indirectly in, in regulated, but not directly mm -hmm. supervised by the authority, which we see a lot in other jurisdictions when it comes to these um, when it comes to this type of fund. So yes, um, Malta can offer a more cost-efficient um, uh, structure for your fund. We've talked about the costs. However, there's another very important aspect for people who are thinking about bringing these funds here to Malta, and that is the time element. Mm -hmm. uh, you've referred to the supervision and regulation and so on. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Maltese regulator, the Malta Financial Services Authority? 
what kind of a relationship do they have with fund administrators, in fact, with the whole of the financial services? Yes, it's very important, as you said. So um, apart from having the, the right cost, um, uh, let's say, package for your fund and the right environment, the right stability that um, you know, a country like Malta can offer, um, of course, the regulator plays an important part. Um, being a small jurisdiction, of course, give, I mean, provides us with certain advantages that the larger ones might not offer, such as um, when, when we reach out to the regulator for consultation, um, they're always available to, to speak and work with the industry. I myself also the chairperson of the Malta Asset Servicing Association, and we regularly speak with the authority about various matters. Um, taking into consideration the licensing process, the first step um, that, that the authority um, uh, undertakes is a, a one-to-one meeting. So again, this is all aimed at reducing inefficiencies during the licensing process if something is not clear. And maybe if it was discussed earlier on, um, during the licensing process, um, certain delays will be avoided. So the regulator is always available um, to discuss, to discuss plans, to educate themselves um, on certain areas where something is new and to make sure that the industry is equipped with the right structures. So um, it's, it's, it's quite important that the regulator, such as the MFSA, um, continues to work on innovation, on products that, that are more relevant uh, for certain Indeed, areas. Indeed, the MFSA has just issued its uh, strategy for the coming mm-hmm. few years, and the emphasis is very much on its own internal reorganization to be as able well, to yes. offer, you know, as you say, innovation, digitalization, mm-hmm. and so on. Uh, while, of course, remaining quite uh, robust when it comes to enforcement, because at the end of the day, uh, a jurisdiction is only as strong as its weakest link, no? Agreed. Um, so, yes, it's important for a regulator to remain relevant to what the industry needs. Um, most of the process of the licensing process is done online. Um, but again, as, as we said, um, uh, what the MFSA also came up with is more efficient structures where certain due diligence is also done by other service providers. And this is the, what we're referring to, the notified PIF, is primarily replicating what Luxembourg has in terms of the RAFE, what we already have in terms of the NAVE, the notified NAVE, but also um, now a PIF, which is a smaller aiming um, to also uh, kind of uh, give an opportunity for the smaller ones, because you can only set up a notified PIF, a PIF, as long as you're below the 100 million threshold, which is something that we regularly see as a jurisdiction. We've spoken a little, uh, about the ecosystem, we've spoken about the regulator, perhaps now we can take a step forward to the national level. Mm-hmm. And there are a number of things which Malta, as a jurisdiction, has also been quite proactive with. Uh, one of these is the setting up of over 80 double taxation treaty organisations. How do they affect you? Uh, when it comes to double tax treaties, um, uh, first of all, it's good to point out that like other jurisdiction, um, other jurisdictions, Malta, a fund set up in Malta, there's what we call the prescribed and non-prescribed, but essentially a fund would be tax neutral. So there will be no tax at the level of the fund. Um, and no tax at the level of any non-residential holder. Of course, um, the double tax treaties help when the investor is then remitting um, proceeds from uh, funds in Malta to his own uh, jurisdiction. Double tax treaties are very important also in relation to private equity funds because the moment you have private equity funds, that would automatically mean that the fund would probably set up SPVs to invest um, 
to invest in in uh, in other strategies. So it will hold assets through special purpose vehicles. Just just to to make it maybe more clear. Of course, um, that linked with the fact that Malta, um, the stability of the country, um, uh, helps uh, to provide the same planning. Um, or rather helps in the same planning that an investor, that a manager would need to do, um, like in other countries, so uh, with, with the same outcome, essentially. Perhaps you can just, uh, we can delve a little bit more into the SPV structure, because I mean, people may be aware of the fact that Malta is mm-hmm. an onshore jurisdiction, yes, um, which was a decision which was taken uh, well over a decade ago. Um, but it's also very proactive when it comes to setting up these kind of structures. So perhaps you can explain to me a little bit more about SPVs. Uh-huh. Um, essentially, what, um, uh, what one needs to keep in mind is that uh, a fund cannot hold the assets directly for various reasons. Imagine um, uh, the SPV is investing in, uh, in uh, real estate. I mean, it's, it's the fund, uh, because of course the structure as a fund is quite... Um, is quite limited in terms of officers, etc. Um, you wouldn't go in, into this investment directly. So there would be SPVs with all the, uh, let's say, limiting of liability around them. As an SPV would make it easier so that the fund would only be holding units, shares in a company, nothing else. And there would be management and other officers to manage actually the fund. Um, Having an environment where you have double tax treaties that will help you um, also, and the tax regime that will help you manage these effectively, because one of the main reasons um, when managers set up, hold, they hold assets to a fund, is actually the tax deferral. So, of course, um, you need to have the same, um, the same environment, the same options in, in the jurisdiction where you set up the fund. However, there is no limitation as to where the SPVs are set up. So again, the manager has the option to to set up companies to hold assets uh, to other countries as well. So if I were an investor and I was thinking of of setting up a fund somewhere and I've got all of these glossy brochures from all of these jurisdictions, what are the three top reasons you would give me for setting it up in Malta? Okay, first of all, um, I'll go back to uh, the fact that I think that one of the main, uh, our one main advantage is the fact that it is an EU country, you have the same um, options like other bigger countries, but at a more cost efficient uh, package and a better service. So uh, you get more of a VIP service uh, that the multi-service provider can offer. Um, keeping in mind that we are still a growing jurisdiction and of course uh, we are in a position to tailor our service and as uh, as a manager setting up such fund that's what you require especially if you're an emerging manager so I would stick to those. Annabelle thank you very much. That's all for today. Subscribe now to the Fintalks and follow Finance Malta on all social media platforms to stay updated with all our activities. Till the next podcast.